it's my privilege and joy this morning to invite you to open your copy of God's perfect word to the book of Mark, book of Mark chapter 8, I know some of you are probably expecting me to say chapter 5, we're going to take a break for a little while from our sermon series so we can focus on what God's word teaches us about discipleship. This morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 8, we're going to look just at verse 34. I invite you to stand in reverence for the reading of God's perfect word. Hear what Christ says to us this morning. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Heavenly Father, God, we pray this morning that you would help us to understand these words, that you would help us to understand them and obey them, God, that you would change our lives forever. We pray that you would help us to faithfully follow Jesus on this day and every day for the rest of eternity. Help us to focus now, to hear what you have to say to us, to listen, because our lives depend on these words. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Those are the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a name that some of you may already be familiar with and the rest of you are about to become familiar with. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was ordained as a pastor in his native Germany at the, in 1931. Two years later, a new political party took control of the German government, the National Socialist German Workers' Party, or as we know them today, the Nazis. Right from the start, Bonhoeffer recognized Nazism as a threat to Christianity, and he was a vocal opponent of Adolf Hitler. While other Christians in Germany were consenting to Hitler's demands to change their beliefs and practices, Bonhoeffer resisted. He refused to submit. He led a resistance movement training pastors in underground illegal seminaries, which eventually landed him in a Nazi concentration camp. On April 8, 1945, Bonhoeffer was condemned to death for his complicity in a failed assassination attempt of Hitler. The next day, he was hanged. He was 39 years old. Two weeks after his death, American soldiers liberated the camp where Bonhoeffer was killed. And just a couple weeks after that, Nazi Germany surrendered. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Bonhoeffer wrote those words in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He was a man who understood what Jesus meant when he said these words, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He knew it and he obeyed it. And my hope and prayer is that after we finish today, each and every one of you will know what Jesus meant by these words and will take up your cross and follow him. 
Because what Jesus says in these words is perhaps the most significant teaching in the entire Bible about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, about what it means to be a Christian. This is one of the clearest definitions of discipleship that we get in the whole Bible. So listen to me carefully. Write this down. What Jesus is saying here in Mark 8.34 is that if you want to follow him, you must actively sacrifice your life and embrace suffering for the sake of the gospel every day. This is what discipleship is. A call to come and die. We see this clearly as we look at the events leading up to Jesus' words here in Mark 8.34. Mark 8 is the turning point in the book of Mark. Up until this point, Mark has been telling us about Jesus' ministry in and around Galilee. Jesus has been teaching, he's been healing, casting out demons over and over and over again. And in Mark 8.27, Jesus pops the question that Mark has been trying to answer throughout this whole book. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, you are the Christ. Finally, finally, one of his disciples recognizes Jesus for who he really is. But then immediately after that, we see that they still don't get it. Jesus begins to tell them that he will suffer. He will be rejected. He'll be killed and on the third day, rise again. And and what does Peter do? He pulls the Son of God aside and rebukes him. He says, Jesus, what are you saying? Are you out of your mind? You're the Savior. The, The Savior doesn't come to die. The Savior comes to save. The Savior comes to rule and reign. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter still doesn't get it. The disciples, they still don't get it. They still have a long way to go to fully understand who Jesus is and what he came to do. And that's what the rest of the book of Mark is about. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus begins his journey to Jerusalem where he will suffer and die on the cross for our salvation. And here, in verse 34, Jesus invites the crowds and the disciples to join him. He invites them to come and die with him. Look at how the verse begins. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me. It's important to notice here that Jesus calls everybody to gather around. He he summons the disciples and the crowd. That means at least two things. One, it means that the invitation to discipleship is open to anyone and everyone. It's Open to the twelve, to the crowds, to every one of you listening here, to everyone on earth. And that's why we go to the ends of the earth with the gospel. Because the invitation to discipleship is open to everyone from every tribe and tongue and nation. So don't withhold the invitation from anyone. Because everyone is invited to follow Jesus. The other thing that means is that the demands of discipleship. Are required of everyone. What he's about to say is not just for the twelve. It's not just for the spiritual varsity team. What he is saying here is essential for everyone who would call themselves a Christian. The invitation is open to everyone and the demands are required of everyone 
who would come after Jesus. Now, that word translated come there is the same word that's translated as follow at the end of the verse. So it could be translated, if anyone would follow after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's repetitive, but it's meant to be. By repeating himself, Jesus is emphasizing what he's inviting them to do. He's making it clear that he is inviting them to follow him. But haven't they already been following him? As we've been working through this book and sermon series, we've seen how over and over again these crowds just follow Jesus from place to place. That wherever Jesus goes, a crowd seems to be right behind him. But that's not the kind of following that Jesus is talking about here. What Jesus is calling them to is to stop passively following him around from place to place and to start actively following him as committed disciples. And let this be a warning to us today. Because just as the crowds passively follow Jesus around from place to place, so today there is a way to passively follow Jesus around, to just go through the Christian motions, and that is not genuine discipleship, and it does not lead to heaven. There's a way to just passively go through the Christian motions, to just passively show up here on Sunday mornings, to just passively read your Bible, to just passively go to your campus ministry events, to just passively go to your BFG. There's a way to passively do Christian things and to have never truly followed Jesus as a committed disciple. I like to call this Twitter discipleship or Instagram discipleship. Now I know not all of you use social media and may your tribe increase. And I really mean that. But, but for the rest of you, I mean, you, you still have a general idea of how it works. Even if you don't use it, you probably have a general idea of how it works. It, Facebook's a little different, but Twitter and on Twitter and Instagram, you follow people. You can follow your friends, your family. You can follow celebrities or politicians, businesses, even churches like ours. You can even follow complete strangers. Sometimes I'll see my wife strolling through Instagram, somebody's post, and I'll say, who is that? And she'll say, I don't know. I'll say, but you follow them? And she's like, yeah, so what? That's how social media works. It, it doesn't really matter. On social media, you don't have to have a personal relationship with somebody to follow them. They don't require anything of you to follow them. You just click follow and voila, now you're a follower of Justin Bieber or John Piper or whoever. They don't require, they don't demand anything of you to follow them on social media. But that's not Christian discipleship. That's not what Jesus is calling us to when he says, follow me. Because Jesus isn't looking for social media followers. Jesus is looking for disciples. Jesus isn't looking for people to just passively follow him around and just go through the Christian motions. Genuine Christian discipleship is active. Jesus requires actively committed disciples who know him and who obey him. His disciples must know with all their heart that he is Savior and Lord. They must have a personal relationship with him and be growing in that relationship. Christ's disciples are growing in their knowledge of him and they're growing closer to him. And as they grow closer to him, they are being changed by him. If you're actively following Jesus, you'll know it. And others will know it because 
you're not the same. You are changing. Jesus is producing spiritual fruit in your life that you could never produce on your own. He's affecting your life in ways that others can see. Your spouse notices that you're sacrificially serving them more. The kids see mommy and daddy reading their Bible or praying more often. Your coworkers hear you talking about Jesus. Your BFG sees you overcoming trials and struggles in your life. True disciples are actively following Christ, and Christ is actively changing them. You know who Christ's disciples are because Christ is leaving his mark on their life. Genuine Christian discipleship is active and it is costly. If you're going to follow Jesus as his disciple, it's going to cost you something. As a matter of fact, it's going to cost you everything. If you are going to follow him, you will have to deny yourself. Take up your cross. By repeating himself, Jesus not only emphasizes what he's inviting us to do, but by framing it in this way, he explains what it means to follow him. The words in the middle tell us what it means to follow him. We must take up our cross. We must deny ourselves. First, he says, let him deny himself. It's, it's not an option. It's a command. It's got force behind it. If, if anyone would come after Jesus, he must deny himself. And what does it mean to deny yourself? It means to sacrifice yourself. Your whole self, including your strongest desires. So what Jesus is saying here is that if anyone would follow after him, if anyone wants or desires to follow him, then he must deny his desires. Now, Jesus isn't contradicting himself. What he's saying is that our desire to follow Jesus must overrule all of our other desires. Our greatest desire must be to follow Jesus. We must sacrifice all of our other selfish desires in order to be disciples of Jesus. We have to give up what we want for what we really want. That's called a sacrifice. That's what a sacrifice by definition is. It's giving up something you want for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. You give up something you want for something you want more. That's a sacrifice. And in order to follow Jesus, we have to sacrifice all of our sinful, selfish desires. Everything we want, we have to give it up because we want to follow Jesus more. We have to say no to something we want so we can say yes to something we want even more. We do this all the time. Here's how this works in my life. Each Sunday for lunch, and I mean each Sunday for lunch, what I want more than anything is a Wendy's Baconator. I could eat a Wendy's Baconator every Sunday for lunch. But what I want even more than that delicious Wendy's Baconator is to not have a heart attack by the time I turn 40. So I say no to the Baconator most weeks, so I can say yes to a healthy body. That's me denying myself. That's me sacrificing, all by very a small, very, very small sacrifice. Now, here's how this works as a disciple of Jesus. We say no to sin, so we can say yes to following Jesus. We sacrifice our selfish desires so that we can fulfill Christ's desires. 
We give up what we want so we can do what Jesus wants. And believe me, this is a whole lot harder than giving up the Baconator. So let's say you're having an argument with your spouse or coworker or roommate, anybody. It could be about something important. It could be about something stupid. doesn't matter. In that, in that argument, in the heat of that moment, what do you want more than anything? Well, you want to be right. You want to win that argument. No, no. That might be what you think you want, but that's because you've lost sight of what you really want. What you really want in that moment is Jesus. You really want to follow him, to please him, to obey him. So what do you do? You sacrifice. You deny yourself the right to get angry and to lose it and to yell and start throwing things. Why? Because more than you want to win that argument, you want Jesus. So you deny yourself. You keep your cool. You're kind. You're gentle. You're patient. You have self-control. And that might mean you have to own up to the fact that you're wrong and you've been a selfish jerk. Or you might actually be right, but you realize there's a better way to move forward regardless. You can do this with any temptation, with any sin. What is the sin you struggle with most right now? Name it. Write it down. What is it? And if you're struggling, thinking up something, just ask your spouse or somebody who's really close to you. They'd be happy to help you name one or six. So name the sin. It could be lust, it could be anger, worldliness, worry, lying, whatever. Name it, write it down. In that moment, when the temptation comes, what do you want most? To sin, right? Wrong. No, in that moment, what you want more than anything is Jesus. So what do you do? You sacrifice, you deny yourself, you say no to the sin so you can say yes to Jesus. You say no to worry So you can say yes to the Prince of Peace. You say no to lying. So you can say yes to the one who is the truth. You sacrifice. You deny yourself. So remember this when temptation comes. But also remember this. I didn't say it was going to be easy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy to deny yourself. Did he? No, no, it's not going to be easy to sacrifice all your desires. It's going to be really hard. That's why the rich young ruler turned away, didn't he? He was willing to sacrifice almost all of his desires, just not his desire for money. He wanted his stuff more than he wanted Jesus, so he couldn't follow him. And our desires are only part of it. When Jesus says you must deny yourself, he means your whole self. He means everything about you. You must sacrifice your desires, your values, your hopes, your dreams, your plans, your goals, your family, your career, your work, your relationships, your whole life. You must sacrifice everything. You must submit everything to him. It's either all or nothing. You're either all in or you're not in. If you want to follow Jesus, you must give up your entire life to him. And that is really hard. But that's only the start of it. Because in order to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself and you must take up your cross. Look at what he says. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. Remember when Jesus said these words. Jesus said these words as he began his journey to Jerusalem, where he said he would suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. Jesus knew exactly where he was going, and he knew exactly what was going to happen when he got there. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by one of his disciples. He knew that he was going to be arrested in the dead of night, that he was going to be condemned at a sham trial, that he was going to be mocked, beaten, spit upon, humiliated, and crucified. He knew what was going to happen. And so when Jesus gathers the crowds and disciples together and says these words, what he's doing is he's inviting them to join him. He's inviting them to publicly align themselves with him. He's inviting them to embrace suffering with him. He is inviting them to come and die. To take up your cross and follow Jesus would have meant to publicly declare your allegiance to him. Crucifixion was a public event. Everyone saw you carrying your cross out to be crucified. The whole town knew about it. So if you are going to follow Jesus, you must publicly identify with him. There is no concealed carry permit for the cross. That's one of the reasons why we get baptized, right? Baptism is a public declaration that you are taking up the cross to follow Christ. Your faith is not a secret. You are now a public witness of Jesus. That's one reason why when we do baptisms, we drive the feeding trough right out here in the middle for everybody to see. You are now a public witness of Jesus. And once you've been baptized and publicly declared your faith, your allegiance to Jesus, you continue to do that every day of your life. There's no such thing as a private witness. So don't keep it a secret from your coworkers or your classmates or your friends or your family that you are actively following Jesus. Be open about it. Let them see you carrying your cross. And let them hear from you about the cross. Taking up your cross means publicly aligning yourself with Jesus. And taking up your cross means embracing suffering with Jesus and for Jesus. If you faithfully follow Jesus, then you will experience suffering of some sort. Be it in the form of rejection, pain, or even death. Now let me be clear. Taking up your cross is not suffering the effects of living in a sinful, fallen world. Taking up your cross is suffering the effects of following Jesus in this sinful, fallen world. It's not a nagging mother-in-law or arthritis or even cancer. It's getting fired from your job because you won't wear the rainbow badge that celebrates sin. It's being cut off from your family because you've decided to follow Christ and go overseas as a missionary. It's losing your life like Bonhoeffer because you won't back down to evil men trying to destroy Christ's church. As our, as our country continues to become more secular, it will become harder to publicly align yourself with Jesus and embrace suffering with him. It's already harder to take up your cross and follow him than it was 10 years ago in this country. So why would you do it? Why would you sacrifice your life 
and embrace suffering to follow God's will? Why would you deny yourself and take up the cross for the sake of the gospel? Because that is exactly what Jesus did for you. Jesus could have stayed in heaven. You know that, right? Jesus could have just stayed in heaven where he had experienced endless joy and perfect security with the Father forever, from eternity past. But instead, he denied himself. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. Throughout his entire earthly life and ministry, he selflessly poured himself out for the sake of others, teaching the truth healing the sick, casting out demons. He embraced the rejection. He embraced the scorn of his enemies and he pressed on. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he died, what did he do? What did he say? He fell on his face begging and pleading with God. My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That's what he wanted. That's what... He wanted to happen. That was his desire. But but how did he finish? What did he say? He said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. That's what he really wanted. More than anything, he wanted to follow God's will. So he denied himself and took up the cross to Golgotha and was crucified. He said no to sparing himself from suffering so he could say yes to sparing you from eternal suffering in hell. He said no to preserving his life so he could say yes to preserving your eternal life. He said no to his will so he could say yes to his father's will. He sacrificed his life And embrace suffering to save you from the penalty of your sins so that by faith in him you may have everlasting life. To follow God's will, he died. And the only way you'll ever deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him is if you do the same. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. There's no other way. It's not just really hard to deny ourselves and take up the cross and follow Jesus. It's impossible for us to do on our own. So in order to follow Jesus, we must take up our cross and be crucified with Christ. The old self with its sinful, selfish desires must die. The old self with its worldly values and hopes and dreams must die. The old self that is constantly rebelling against God's authority must die. And that is exactly what happens when the Holy Spirit changes your heart and you repent and believe in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. In that moment, The Bible says that you have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. By faith, you have been united with Christ. 
So that the death he died on the cross for your sin is now counted by God as your death for your sin. And just as he was raised to new life on the third day, so you have been raised to new spiritual life in him. But that's not the end of your dying. That's just the beginning. You don't get to set the cross down once you come up out of the waters of baptism. No, taking up your cross means you have died with Christ on the cross and been forgiven of your sins and that you are always dying to yourself and putting sin to death. Luke makes it clear what Jesus meant by including the word daily. Luke 9.23 says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Remember, Christian discipleship is active. It's active in your life. So by the power of the Spirit, we must nail our sin to the cross every day. As the theologian John Owen said it, be killing sin or it will be killing you. By the power of the Holy Spirit within us, now we can sacrifice our sinful, selfish desires and die to ourselves. We can say no to what our old, sinful self wants and say yes to what our new, spiritual self wants. And what our new, spiritual self wants, more than anything, is Jesus. To be like Jesus who denied himself. To follow Jesus who took up his cross. So by faith in Him, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we take up our cross and die to ourselves every day. Every day until the last day. Until the Lord returns at last or until we face death at last. Then we die our final death. It could be at 89 or it could be at 39. It could be a peaceful death surrounded by family and loved ones. Or like Bonhoeffer, it could be violent martyrdom at the hands of surrounded by wicked, evil men. We must carry the cross and follow Jesus wherever he leads us to go until the day when we die in the Lord and live with him forever. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Won't you come?